This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Access Church. So excited you're with us today. Man, what a great week it has been coming off of the holy hangover from Easter weekend, everybody. We'll talk about that in a moment today. We're kicking off a new series that I'm excited about called The Path of Most Resistance, and we'll get to that. But I already mentioned Easter, so let's talk about it. Easter was incredible around here. What an incredible weekend. And I want to celebrate some numbers with you, but only because every number has a name and every name matters to God. And so here we go. Like, let me start with this. We ask you to be bringers and inviters, and you blew my mind. Last weekend, in person, we had 2,652 people here. Come on, somebody. Isn't that amazing? And every single one of those numbers represents a person who matters to God. Fun little side note, this is like over 2% of our city was here in our church in person, not including online, not including streaming and Good Friday, 2,652 people in our space last weekend. This is over 2% of our city and this week as I was driving in, one day I was kind of counting and thinking through some of those numbers and I thought, wow. And I felt like God said to me, believe for 10%. Like let's just continue to believe that our influence can spread, that we can make a bigger difference here in our city which will continue to touch the world. Well, that number is huge and it matters, but can I show you the matter, the number that matters the most to me of everything? 59 people last weekend made the decision to put their trust in Jesus and to follow Jesus. Come on, that's amazing. Beyond all that, we had two other options people could select. Um, letter C on the card that we filled out was for people who were like kicking the tires of faith and didn't know and eight people said that. And then the letter D was people who were like, I, I don't, I don't really intend to make that decision. We had eight of those. Let me say this to you. We celebrate the 59, and I want you to know for you, if you selected C or D, we're praying for you. And we really do believe that God wants to get a hold of your heart and change everything about you. So we're so excited about that. Today's gonna be a great day, a really, really great day as we kick off a new series of messages called The Path of Most Resistance. Let's pray and let's get after it together. Let's pray. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. And God, we want to hear from you today. That's just where we're at. We came today not to hear the words of man, not to hear the thoughts that I've put together, but to hear from you. So God, in these next few moments, silence my voice so that your voice may speak loudly, clearly to us. We love you, God, and we want to leave changed because of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, Jesus was talking one time in Matthew chapter 16, and he said these words. He said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must take up your, or you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Now pause here for just a moment. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus, and we had a lot of people last week that said, I, I am a follower of Jesus. We had 59 people who started a relationship with him. And Jesus would say to his disciples then, and he says it to us today, if you want to be his follower, and that's what he invites you to, there's some things you got to do. You, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow after him. That's what he invites us to do. So we could summarize it this way. According to Jesus, to be his follower, we have to give up something, take up something, so that we can follow after him. That's what I want to talk about today. That's what we'll talk about today. A few weeks ago, I made a huge mistake. Um, I invited a friend. It's, it's Ethan who leads worship for us up here. I invited him to help me. Now, I, I turned 40 a few months ago, and I'm just I'm kind of getting nervous that as I turn older, as I get older, like fashion is just going to pass me by. 
And so I said to Ethan, I was like, man, you gotta help me, man. Like, here's the deal. I'm, I'm finding myself drifting towards stuff that I, I never would have liked as a 20-year-old, so help me dress better. And so he's offered me some advice. Most of it's really dumb, but whatever. Anyways, he's, so, but he said to me recently, he goes, bro, you know what you need? You know what's gonna complete this whole look? You need some Crocs. And I said, I said, Ethan, men don't wear Crocs. Like real men don't wear Crocs. And he's like, yeah, they do. And he has some bright yellow Crocs looking like comfortable Big Bird. That's what he looks like to me. And he's been begging me for weeks. You gotta get some, you gotta get some, you gotta get some. He even sends these subliminal messages to me like this. He sent me this picture of Dwayne the Croc Johnson. It's pretty fun. And so recently I gave in to peer pressure and I got me some. And I'm gonna be honest, they're interesting. Like they're just, they're inter- that's the only word, they're interesting. And here's what Ethan told me about Crocs. He said they are cool, they are stylish, and they are comfortable. They're cool, they're stylish, and they are comfortable. So I got me some, and I've been wearing these just a little bit here and there. I'm afraid to be seen in public in them, to be honest. But I got me some, and I'm gonna be honest, I'm a little surprised. This is a versatile shoe. Like I'm gonna be honest about it. It's got holes in it, which is built-in air conditioning. We live in Florida. You can take them to the beach and the sand will all fall out when you wear them. It's really nice in that regard. They're super easy to put on. They're just kind of slippers if you need a slipper around the house. But if you need something a little more rugged, you can go four-wheel drive just like that, which is super fun. I'm not going to lie to you, too. They are comfortable, like real deal comfortable. Like if they didn't look completely stupid, I would wear these every single week, um, You know, nobody cares what they look like at an airport, and I fully intend to wear these on airplanes from now on. Super comfortable. Now, they they are definitely not cool and definitely not stylish, but they are really, really comfortable. Now, I want you to think about this with me for just a moment, okay? I don't know if you have Crocs or not, um, but there's certain places where they're acceptable, and there's certain places where I I would suggest you maybe never wear them. So, for, for example... If it's your wedding day, and I don't care if you're the bride or the groom, if it's your wedding day, it's probably not a good look to sport some Crocs. Can we just all agree to that for just a moment, right? Probably not a good look. If, if there's someone in your family or a friend that you love that recently passed away, it would be a really bad idea to show up to the funeral in cut-off shorts, a tank top, and some Crocs. And it doesn't really matter how comfortable they are. They're just not appropriate for those environments. You, you understand all of that, right? I had to change because I couldn't take myself seriously standing in those for one more moment. Here's the funny thing, though. The truth is many of us have settled for what I would call a comfortable faith. We've settled for a comfortable kind of faith. It's almost like a croc style of faith. And, and you know that you're living in a comfortable kind of faith when you really only pay attention to God for the stuff that makes you happy. You only think about the things of God that don't conflict with the things that you want to believe or you hope to believe to be true. And we've settled for a comfortable faith, and today I want to talk to us about this idea that we need to trade our comfortable faith for a functional faith. You see, comfortable faith is fine, I guess, for a while, but what do you do with a comfortable faith when life gets hard? What do you do with a comfortable faith when you have to bury someone you love or when you bump into a question about God that literally makes no sense? When you see suffering in the world, when you wonder why good things happen to bad people or why bad things seem to happen to you, when you bump into those difficult moments in life, comfortable faith doesn't get the job done. 
You, you need a stronger faith, a foundational faith, or what I would call a functional faith. So, so what would it look like if today we just made this decision that we are going to have a functional faith and not just a comfortable kind of faith. To do this, I want to spend our time in one interesting story. It's in the book of Matthew chapter 4. Uh, word about Jesus has spread through, through the countryside like wildfire. In a day when there was no mass media, no multimedia, no social media, in a day when there was no newspapers to get the word out to people, word about Jesus, I mean, it was the hottest news out there. He was healing the sick and raising the dead and walking on water and turning water to wine. Everybody wanted to hear what he was going to say and see what he was going to do. And Jesus is traveling one day, Matthew chapter 4, it says this. One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, and they were throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Now let's just hit pause here for just a moment, and let's call out what's happening in the story. Jesus is about to go do what's called calling disciples, people to leave their jobs and follow him. And I want you to notice who Jesus chooses. He doesn't go to whatever the Harvard of the Sea of Galilee area was. He doesn't do that. He doesn't pick the religious elite or the PhDs of his day. He goes and he gets fishermen, people who had dropped out of school and who were doing the family trade. And he invites them. He says, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'm gonna show you how to do something different. I'll show you how to fish for people. I want you to notice this about Jesus. Jesus takes what they're good at, the thing that they love, which was fishing, and he flips it on its head and he says, I'm gonna teach you how to do that, but I wanna connect it to a purpose that's so much greater for you. And he invites these fishermen to follow him, and I love this, and it says, and they left their nets at once, and they followed him. I can't believe this. Like, imagine you're at work tomorrow, wherever you work, whether it's the, the corner office in the penthouse suite or it's a cubicle at the bottom of the basement of a building, like wherever you work. Imagine someone comes to you tomorrow and they say, hey, listen, this is super weird. Um, I need you to quit your job, like right this second. I need you to follow me. W would you do that? Like, don't give two weeks notice. Give like 20 seconds of notice and leave your job Leave your employer, leave your paycheck, leave your provision, leave your place of comfort and go follow. But that's what these guys do. And then it goes on. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, and they were sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee. That's a fun name. They were sitting with dad Zebedee, repairing their nets, and Jesus called them to come too. And the Bible's funny to me. I love this. It says, they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. I just imagine Zebedee's this crotchety old man out there fishing, and his boys are like, dad, it's been a good run. Kiss mom for us. We're gone. And they're literally like out walking in the water to leave Zebedee alone their dad in the boat. Why would they do this? And why would they follow after Jesus in this way? Certainly what they did was not comfortable. Certainly what they did was not the easiest thing, but here's what I want you to notice about the disciples. These were average, ordinary people. They were fishermen. The others were tax collectors. They, they were nothing special in Jesus' day. And truthfully, had they not followed Jesus into the unknown, had they not taken the path of most resistance, they would have faded into the obscurity of history no differently than everyone else in their day. But here we are 2,000 years later talking about them. Why? Because they were willing to do the uncomfortable. And they were willing to follow Jesus wherever he asked them to go. So today I want to talk about this. What, what are attributes of followers of Jesus? Well, the first thing is this. Followers of Jesus know that we have to listen to Jesus. Don't we? We have to listen to Jesus. And here's the funny thing about you and here's the funny thing about me. I'm the worst at this. 
We're so distracted, aren't we? There's a million things competing for our attention. When you leave today, do me a favor, turn your radar on and look for every possible advertisement you can find. Everything from what's playing on the radio in your car drive to the billboards you pass, to, to the signs you see hanging in store windows. When you turn on social media, look at every ad that you scroll over. Look at everyone you see on the computer. Look at everyone you see on TV. They're everywhere. And every advertiser, every marketer is spending every dollar they can fighting to get your attention. Beyond all that, it's even worse. We're so accustomed to there being noise in our life that we'll fight to fill the silence with noise. Okay, can, you, can you take a car ride without the radio, without a phone call or a podcast? Can you? I, I struggle with it. And so I, I've even committed to like, I'm, I'm not going to be on my phone as I'm driving. Yesterday I was on I-4, which I believe is the pathway straight to hell, honestly. But I was, I was on I-4 and there was a lady in this little red two-door coupe. She was going past me. I kid you not, she had her leg up steering the steering wheel and with her other hand, she was scrolling through TikTok. I was like, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and just take her. You should get rid of her, right? More distracted. And so I decided I'm not gonna be the guy, I'm not gonna be the one who's on my phone when I'm driving, but then I pull up to a red light and I have this moment where I'm like, I'm technically not driving anymore, right? And what if someone needs me? What if I've got a DM to respond to or an email to respond to? What if somebody needs me? It's like we're so distracted that we can't even sit in silence anymore. I read recently that when the iPhone first came out, the sale of chewing gum, the sales dropped 15% almost immediately from grocery stores. And that makes no sense to me, except when you really think about it, when you're standing in line and there's two or three people in front of you, in the past, you would like look around for something to do and you'd say, oh, I could use some gum. But now, what are you? You're distracted. There's things fighting for your attention. And so, so here's what we learned from the story. Jesus is walking down the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these boys out fishing. And I want you to see this. Jesus called, and they listened. Jesus spoke to them. He said, come and follow me. And they heard his words. And Christians are so funny. They're like, well, Jesus doesn't speak to me and I pray and I want to hear the voice of God, but I don't hear the voice of God. Let me ask you a question. Is your Bible open? Like, don't, don't say God isn't speaking when your Bible is constantly closed. He's given us his word. That's the primary way God speaks to us. But here's the other thing. The other thing is we're so distracted. There's so many things fighting for our attention. Here's the question. What are you focused on? Can I be honest? I'm the worst one at this. I am. There are times when my kids are like, Dad, Dad, hey, Dad, Dad, Daddy, Dad, 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 Dad. And then they, they run out of words. They're like, Jason, Pastor Jason, Dr. Pastor Jason. They, like, they use titles and names to get my attention because I'm just, I'm distracted. Here's the point. What you focus on gets your attention. What has your attention gets your direction. God wants the direction of our heart to be focused on him, towards him. Well, what are you focused on? He's speaking. Followers learn to listen. Here's the second thing you need to understand. That followers understand that I'm going to follow Jesus, and I want you to get this last phrase, wherever he leads. Wherever he leads. And here's the funny thing. I'm going to be honest. I like to lead I like to be the leader of stuff. I like to make decisions. I like being in control. I, I like, I, listen, if we go somewhere, 
I'm probably going to drive or I'm going to offer to drive because I like being in control. I, I like being the leader in situations. But followers of Jesus understand that the path of most resistance requires you to be the follower and him to be the leader. He gets to call the shots. He gets to set the course. He gets to set the direction. And check this out. He also sets the pace. It's hard for me because I like to go fast. I like to accomplish a lot and do a lot of things. But he sets the pace and he set the speed of all of it. So back to our verses, Jesus called out to them, come and follow me. And then it says, I'm going to show you something. And I want you to understand this. Jesus then takes the thing that they did and connects it to their purpose. Why? Because God wants you serving in the areas that you're passionate about. He wants you to discover your purpose and connect it back to the things that you love. And here's what you need to understand. He'll always invite you to follow him. And following him isn't always easy. Following him doesn't always make a lot of sense. Following him might require you to let go of some stuff to follow him. Here's the hardest thing. If you're really going to follow him, you need to understand something. It's not about leading. You need to understand the simple phrase, you must learn before you lead. You have to learn before you lead. And a lot of Christians, they make this decision to follow Jesus. And they're like, yes, I'm following him now. Now I want to preach. Oh, hold up. I'm following Jesus. Now I want to share my faith. Great, 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 great. Be, but slow down just a little bit. I'm following Jesus. Now I want to do all these things for Jesus. And that's wonderful. But here's what you need to understand. Following Jesus requires you to learn before you lead. But what, what, what are we learning? It's not intellectual head stuff. That's important. And I want you to learn about him. But really following Jesus, the point of following Jesus is not to know about him. It's to become like him. It's to become like him. It's to operate at his pace. It's to speak the way he speaks. It's to love the way that he loves. It's he sets the pace. And my goal isn't to just know about him. I want to become like him. Here, here's the reason. The reason is you attract who you are. You attract who you are. So what God wants you to understand is you're going to become like Jesus so that when people are attracted to you, who they're attracted to really is him. So when it comes to leading, before you can ever lead, you gotta learn, and how do you learn? Well, this is the model that you see all throughout scripture. In fact, what's interesting is, between Matthew chapter four, which we read from a moment ago, and Matthew chapter 10, which we'll get to in a moment, there's a whole year, a whole calendar year. Jesus picks these disciples, they're fishermen and tax collectors and all kinds of other things, and he says, follow me, but he doesn't cut them loose to go follow and do what he's doing yet. He says, I want you to learn first. Here's the model that you experience when you read about Jesus. Jesus with his disciples, he did first. And then he and his disciples did it together. And then he released them to do it. In the same way, here's the pathway for you really becoming a follower of Jesus. You need to partner with someone who's doing what you want to do. Watch them. Do it with them. And then be set free. So here on our on our church team, people that serve on Team Access. Our goal is for you to watch someone, learn what they're doing, do it with them, so that you can be empowered to go out and do it on your own. This is the pathway of following Jesus. You're gonna learn, you're gonna do it together, and then you're gonna be empowered to go out and do it on your own. This is always God's intention. The third thing that followers of Jesus understand, and here's the funny thing, um, after the last service, I had this man come up to me and he goes, man, that was a good message. He goes, you really, and he stepped on my shoe and I'm like, oh, hold up, man. Okay, but this is, this is it. I'm gonna step up on your toes for just a moment. Here it is, ready? If you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, you have to release some stuff, which are the things that keep us from Jesus. 
You need to release some things that keep us from Jesus. And there's some good stuff to release and there's some bad stuff to release. Back to the story, it says this. Jesus rolls up on these guys who are in the boat and it says they immediately followed him. Now pause here for just a moment. They say when you're learning a new language, that you'll know you really understand the language when the humor is funny to you, like when you understand it fully so that it's funny. When I read the Bible, sometimes it's just funny to me. Like I just imagine there's a dad and his two sons and they're in a boat. This is the family job. Jesus comes and he says, follow me. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and dad in the boat. Like dad's just in there. And to me, it's funny. I just imagine Zebedee, he's like, We're not even going to talk to mom. Like, what is wrong with you guys? And they're gone. They leave. What did they leave? It's not just the boat. It's what the boat represents. It's their job. It's their paycheck. It's their security. It's their food. It's their provision. Beyond all that, they're leaving their father and their mother. They're leaving family. Why? Because following Jesus sometimes requires us to let go of some stuff. Let me say it to you like this. Let me ask you this. What, what? are you holding on to that is holding you back that all, from all that God has for you? What are you holding on to that's holding you back from all that God has for you? So for some of us, there's some easy stuff. It's easy to point this out. There's some sin we're holding on to. There's some addictions we're holding on to. There's a toxic relationship that we're holding on to. And we're, we're holding on with everything we've got. We're like, Jesus, I want to follow you, but you can't follow if you're chained to your sinful past and your sinful life. But then... Some of us have some good things that we're holding on to. Jesus, I love this job. I love having financial security. I love having a full bank account. I love, I love, I love, I love. And it's all these things that are not bad things. They're good things. But you can't hold on to stuff and follow after Jesus. All right, here we go. You ready to to get stepped on? So Jesus said this. This is how we open today. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, that's what we're talking about. If you actually want to follow him, you must give up your own way. Okay, what does that mean? How do you know it's your way when it always makes you happy? When it's always about you and your own happiness and your own joy. When it's all about you, it's probably your own way. So you need to check your way and see if it aligns with God's way. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. I could spend a lot of time on this four-word phrase, take up your cross. The cross was the instrument of murder used to execute Jesus, thousands and thousands of other people. And Jesus, who was crucified on it later after this, says, if you want to follow me, if you really want to do it, you need to take up your cross, foreshadowing what he would do on Good Friday. Take up your cross. What does this even mean? It means that the instrument used for death should be used figuratively to put your sinful nature and your past to death. What what does it mean? Every day you wake up and you you put your sinfulness to death. You put your selfishness to death. You put all of it to death. And this is hard. (laughs) Okay, now I'm gonna say this to you. This is where we start stepping on toes, ready? You can't carry your cross and your opinion at the same time. Okay. But Jason, you don't know how I vote. Okay, check this out. You can't carry your cross and your opinion at the same time. Scripture doesn't actually care what you vote or how you vote. Well, Jason, but, but what, what, about my, what about my sexuality? 
What about, I got needs, I got desires, or beyond all that, I think that everybody and this and that, I have all these opinions about how sex should work in our country. I'm all for it. Okay, you don't get to have an opinion. I love you. Either God's word is the authority or it's not. Well, Jason, but, but, I, but I vote for this political... I'm not asking who you voted for. I'm asking what does scripture say and how does your voting align with scripture? We as a culture have made this decision that we're gonna find a church that aligns with my politics. You know what, you know what that is? It's Crocs Christianity. It's comfortable. What does scripture say? How does how you vote align with scripture? What about abortion? I think a woman, okay, I don't care what you think. I love you. Are you hearing both of those things at the same time? I do love you. You have opinions. So do I. I don't care what my opinion is. I don't care what your opinion is. I care what the word of God says because it is the final authority. So listen to me. You can't carry your cross and your opinion at the same time. So what's it gonna be? Number four. You gotta make this decision that followers of Jesus are gonna receive the authority of Jesus. What, is this, what does this mean? Well, after he's trained you, after you've been close to him and you're following him, after you've laid down your opinion, your selfishness to follow after him, then he wants to use you to make a difference. This is, again, the path of most resistance. So we're gonna read a scripture again. It's Matthew chapter 10. We started in Matthew 4. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter 10. A year has passed from when he started having these guys follow him, and now he's gonna send them out. And I want you to notice one detail. He's gonna talk about the 12 disciples. But here's what I love. He could have just said, you 12 disciples. It could have just been grouped together, but he's gonna name each of them and I wanna point out the reason. Matthew chapter 10, verses one. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority. So he gave his authority to them to do this, to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. And then I want you to see this. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, there was Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James's brother. These are the two boys who left their dad all up in the boat. There's Philip, Bartholomew. We could use some more Bartholomews these days. There's Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, that's an awesome name. Simon, the zealot. And then even on the list, Judas Iscariot, who would later betray Jesus. All of them have the opportunity to follow. All of them are sent out with the authority of God because they've been close to Jesus. And Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Here's what you do. Don't go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans yet, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Here's what I want you to do. In Jesus' name, he's saying, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Here's what he's saying, now that you've been close, now that you're a follower, there's something you can do with your life in my name that has authority. Here's what I want you to do, go do these things. So here's what it means, why did he give them the names individually? Here's why, first he starts with them as a group and the reason is your mission is collaborative and collective in the church. We is better than me. We can do more to change the world together collectively. But also you need to understand this. There's a you part of this, and it is that your gifting is unique. God wants you to discover your giftings and talents so that you can use them. So you don't sit on the sidelines and watch as people are living out their purpose and living out their destiny. So how incredible would it be if all of us just made this decision to say, to say Jesus, I'll follow you. No matter how, how difficult it is, 
I'm not on the Crocs path of Christianity, but I'm literally here to follow you on the path of most resistance, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm all in. So for these next few weeks, I want to talk to you about what that path looks like. We're going to get all up in your business. We're going to talk about giving and forgiving. We're going to talk about rest, which literally makes no sense in in this world. We're going to talk about love, the way Jesus invites us to actually love him. But I want to end with this. This where we started, Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you, and anyone means you, if any of you, wants to be my disciple, my follower. Here's what you gotta do, you gotta give up your own way. It's not about you anymore. Take up your cross and you can't carry your cross and your opinion at the same time. And follow me. So I wanna end with this question, are you following? Are you actually a follower? Did you pray a prayer one a long time ago and you keep just close enough to God to feel like you're good with him, but you literally live your own way? Got the Crocs Christianity going. Or are you actually following him? Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? And for just a moment, in this moment, would you answer that question? Are you actually following Jesus? Are you doing like the bare minimum, the Crocs? If this is you and you say, Jason, look, I don't know if I'm following Jesus, but today I want to start or restart. And I want to go all in. No matter what it takes, no matter what it costs, no matter how I feel, I want to follow him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Yep, here's your moment. If this is you, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, today I make this decision. I'm going to follow you. I give you my whole life for the rest of my life. Whatever you ask of me, I'll do. I'll follow you. You be in charge. You be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you came into this world and died for my sins. Because of your sacrifice, now my life can be made new. So Jesus, forgive me. And from this day forward, I'll follow you. I love you and I give you my life and it's in your name I pray, Jesus, amen. Hey church, look up at me. We had 59 last week and we've had people all day. Can we celebrate that? And what a big deal. I love it. I love it, love it, love it.